You're listening to New Spring Radio with Hector Velarde, pastor of Calvary New Spring Church in San Antonio, Texas. Like there's people waiting for him. Why would you not go back? But can I remind you of one thing? Jesus has just topped off. Jesus has just spent time with the Father. Jesus is in tune with what God wants him to do. And unfortunately for us, because we have not been with the Father, we have no idea what to do. And oftentimes we go with logic when we shouldn't have. When was the last time you had a dedicated time of prayer where you just spent time with God? We see many times where Jesus would sneak away to go spend time in prayer. He would even leave his disciples so that he could go pray to the Father. In today's message, Pastor Hector will be sharing with us the importance of prayer. There is a temptation for us to try and use logic to think our way out of things, and we miss an opportunity to bring it to God. The Lord longs to hear us ask for help. Now, here's Pastor Hector in the book of Mark chapter 1, as he continues his message, The Power of Prayer. What importance should we give to prayer? I don't know about you again, but I, I seem to be really good at praying when I'm in need of like an immediate answer. Like, Lord, please help me now. It's, a, it's an emergency, Lord. If it's an illness, I'll pray. Lord, could you just please? I mean, and those are good things. We should go to him in those times that we need an immediate answer. But notice something, something with me. Notice that Jesus prays at a time when he seemingly didn't need anything. Well, how do I know that? Well, well, think about it. His teaching is astonishing. We've already learned that. I mean, it's not like, and you don't know this unless I was to tell you, my wife knows this, but so many times, and I'm not the only one who does this, but I get down from this, there is no platform, but if there was a platform here, I would get down from this platform thinking, man, I, that, like, I just messed that all up. But Jesus didn't do that. You see, his teaching was, was just astonishing people. So his teaching is astonishing. He has disciples following him. He's performing miracles. Like, why pray? I mean, doesn't it seem like everything is just fine in his life? Like, why pray? What, what is it that he would pray about? Like, Lord, there was... You know, my, my teaching didn't really work out that well. Could you please help me with that? I mean, that's my prayer oftentimes. Like, Lord, please. Like, find somebody else to do this who can do it better than I. I guarantee you Jesus didn't do that. His teaching was astonishing. His disciples were following him. He has a following. He's performing miracles. And all too often, I think that we use prayer to... to to fill the tank instead of to top it off. If I could just use that analogy. I don't know if that kind of brings something to your mind. You're, you're like on E, you know, and, and spiritually, and you're like, Lord, I, I need a filling. Instead of just like, Lord, I'm, I'm topped off, but I need more. Lord, I just need this thing to overflow. I don't know if you've ever found like a really good deal on gas, and, and you're like, you know how it automatically 
clicks and you're like taking it out. You're like getting it. Let me get just as much gas as I can in there. That's what's going on here. In, in all reality, if you look at what's gone on, he really does not need to come to the Lord in prayer, but he does. We often wait till we're on empty and then fill up, but Jesus doesn't do that. Now, why? Why, why would Jesus top off instead of wait till he has to fill up? Well, I think that he made prayer a priority for two reasons, and perhaps there's more, but I thought of two reasons why he would make this a priority. Number one is that I think that he prayed to simply have communion with the Father. Like that was important to him, to just spend time with him. I think that spending time with the Father was of utmost importance to him. But then my question to us is, is it to us? Is it just simply spending time with him of utmost importance? I had to ask myself, and, and so I'll ask you as well. But I'll pose it as a question to myself. Have I ever gone to prayer just to simply be with him? Like, Lord, I just want to be with you. Without asking anything of him. By and large, my times of prayer, I mean, just being honest, are like petition after petition after petition. And I pull, we even have what we call our prayer list, right? We got our prayer request, Lord, and here we go. And number one, and number two, and number three, and thank you, it's time to go. And, and, and we leave instead of just simply saying, Lord, I just want to be with you. I just want to spend some time with you. I think that we would pray more if we didn't just go to him in times of need, in times where we just need to fill up, but in times where we just need to top off. Lord, can we just get a little bit more? I just want to spend time with you. It's very convicting to me. But the second thing is that I also think that he made prayer a priority so that he could get further instruction. And that's why we go to the Lord in prayer, regardless of whether you've had a successful day today or not. Tomorrow has the potential to be a train wreck if you don't seek the Father's will, does it not? Like today could have been the best day ever, but tomorrow if we don't seek the Lord, hey, that's a train wreck waiting to happen. You've probably experienced it. I know I have. And so thus, he's, he's seeking the Lord to get further instruction. Did you know it's been said, now I don't know how accurate this is, but it, it, it's been said, and I understand those who study these things, I don't know how they come to the conclusion, but it has been said that the average adult will make around 35,000 decisions in one day. 35,000 decisions in one day. And I don't know about you, but I need instruction from the Lord or else it's going to be an extremely long day. Like even 3,000 decisions. Even one decision. Like, Lord, what do I do with that? Imagine 35,000. It often is, and it's all because I don't go to him to top off that I find myself having a long day. 
and I don't go to him to get further instruction. And Jesus here in our story is about to be faced with some hard decisions to make. And we find that he rises early. He separates himself from the rest and he prays to the Father. Now, before we go on to the next division, seeing the opportunities before him or the options or the decisions that Jesus is going to have to make, let me say something about rising early. Because did you notice you were like, man, I was hoping you wouldn't touch on that. But notice that it says that he rose early, early. Are there benefits to rising early before the day begins? Absolutely. Now, Should we be legalistic about it? Absolutely not. It just depends on what early is for you. For many years of my life, early on, I worked a graveyard shift. And for me, early in the morning was 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Right? And so if somebody's legalistic about it, I'd be like, I'm just getting home at the time that you think it's early for you to get up to pray. And so should we be legalistic about it? Absolutely not. And the sad thing is is that some latch on to that time of day and forget what they're there to do, right? It's like, yeah, we we are the early risers and we get up and we pray and we're doing, and and what'd you pray about? I don't know. I just know and I got up early. And they kind of camp out on that. And prayer in the early hours of the day will be a pattern in the life of Jesus, of course. We'll see it time and time again. And, and not only him, but many others in the Bible. But nowhere in the Bible does it make it a commandment. So be careful if you're one of those early risers to like make others feel bad because you're up at four in the morning and they're not. You know, their prayer time at noon, I mean, somebody that lives in my house, actually a couple people that live in my house, like early in the morning is like noon for them. They, they, their brain doesn't start working until about noon. So if I was to wake them up at four in the morning, can you imagine? I mean, it would not be a productive time. And so don't camp out on the time. More than the time of day, I believe that the important part is coming to God in a consistent and in a continual pattern. Like, take that away from this text. Not necessarily, well, yeah, I'm the one who wakes up early. Make it consistent. Make it continual. Start being consistent because guess what? Next and right after that are options, are decisions. 35,000 of them. 35,000 decisions. And so look at, look at our next division, seeing the opportunities before him. Verse 37, 36, 37, let's read it. It says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. It doesn't tell us how much time has gone by, but I imagine it's an hour or two later. We don't know, but we do know that the boys wake up and, and they notice that Jesus was gone. Now imagine losing the Messiah. Like, where did he go? He was in our care. The Messiah's gone. And imagine kind of how frantic they are. I, I think where it says everyone is looking for you, I think they incl- it was like, we're looking for you. Like, where are you? Where did, 
you go? Did you go? But not only that, imagine being these disciples. Now, you got to kind of go there with me. And Jesus is gone. He's out praying somewhere. They're still in the house sleeping where they had ministered the night before. And imagine waking up and looking out the window and seeing a line of people beginning to form again in front of you. Just like you left off the night before, these people are beginning to make their way. And you're like, Jesus, where is he? And then you look around and he's gone. He's nowhere to be found. Those who didn't get healed the night before are looking for Jesus. Notice where it says, everyone is looking for you. Well, everyone who? All of those who didn't get healed the night before, more than likely, and then others. The word is spreading. Jesus, is, he's becoming famous, if you will. And people are finding out about who he is. And they come, they search for him, they find him, they tell him that everybody is looking for him. But don't miss this. Immediately after having been with the Father, the options came. A decision had to be made. And isn't that life? Isn't that exactly how life is? Like sometimes, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about the Costco list in the middle of prayer, right? Like, so do I buy the powdered soap or the pots? Like, what, what do I buy? Right? That's a big question right now in my household. But what do we do, right? And one thing you can do, I heard this from a pastor. He said, hey, because he's like, that happens to me too. And he says, if you're praying and those weird Costco questions come into your mind, just stop, write it down and keep going. Like, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't camp out. Don't go there. But just stop. Write it down so you don't forget it. And then just keep praying. And that has helped me out tremendously. I make some of the best shopping lists in the middle of prayer, it seems like, anymore. But that's how life is. Jesus was, think about it, Jesus was most likely in the middle of prayer. When, when, when here come the disciples with urgency in their voice and there's everyone is looking for you. Where are you? Why did you leave? I'm sure they're asking what's going on. Everyone wants you. And in an instant, like from one second to another, Jesus finds himself with opportunities, with choices, with decisions to make. This request of him, everyone is looking for you. Would it not appeal to the flesh? Like, wow, everybody needs me. Sometimes as a mom, you can feel like that in the morning when you wake up and one child, I think we heard a comedian saying this the other day, like, I want pancakes. No, I want waffles. Give me oatmeal. You know, and everybody wants you. And I don't know if moms, you've looked at it this way, but that could definitely appeal to the flesh. Like you can turn it around and say, everybody needs me. People can't live life without me. And this, everyone is looking for you, is an opportunity to appeal to the flesh. Jesus could say, wow, I'm needed. There's people waiting for me. And if you go off of logic alone, which oftentimes we do when we got to make decisions, if Jesus goes off of logic alone, the best and the most logical decision would be to walk back with them and pick up where he left off. Would it not be? Like there's people waiting for him. Why would you not go back? But can I remind you of one thing? Jesus has just topped off. Jesus has just spent time with the Father. 
Jesus is in tune with what God wants him to do. And unfortunately for us, because we have not been with the Father, we have no idea what to do. And oftentimes we go with logic when we shouldn't have. In this case, it's a huge opportunity for logic. Yeah, let's just do it. This is huge because if we don't make prayer a priority, we will be prone to go with the plausible and not with the prayerful. Well, that that sounds right. Yeah, let's go. But what has God said to do? We say things like, yeah, hey, that, that seems to make sense. Let's do that. But just because it's logical doesn't mean that it's his will. And we find that out in our text here. So we see that he's sought the Father. We see that he's got, he sees decisions that he needs to make. But look at how he's sensitive to the Father's will in verse 38 and 39. But he said to them, well, notice what he said. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. How insensitive, right? How mean. That, that is like the wrong decision, some would say. Or perhaps instead of being insensitive, maybe it's being sensitive to the Father's will. Maybe that's what's going on here. Because really it all depends on how you look at it. You see, Jesus had just spent time in communion with the Father, and I have to believe that that's where he received direction. Don't go back. Don't go back. For the time being, we know he will go back. It was there during that time of prayer that the Lord spoke to him and told him what to do next. Do you need to know what to do next? If you do, if you have options, if you have decisions to make, why don't you just pray? Like before you act, pray. Lord, what do we do? What do you want us to do here? And when you do that, you need to know something else. Not always will your decision be the most popular. It's not always going to be the most popular decision around. Not always will your decision benefit the majority. In this case, we know that it seems like the decision is not benefiting the majority because there's a line of people waiting for him in Capernaum. And he chooses not to go back there. And lastly, you need to know that not always will your decision make sense. I think I can testify of that in our going and coming back from Mexico. When we went, it didn't make sense. When we came back, it made less sense. But you know what we knew? We, we just knew that we were to come back. And we're still trying to figure out why. But we had to come back. It didn't make sense. It was not probably to the benefit of the majority, but it was what God wanted us to do. And in this case, Jesus makes a decision that will leave a vast group of people waiting in line. Jesus is about to disappoint quite a few people, but don't miss this. Being sensitive to the Lord's leading will always prove to be best. 
that will always prove to be best. In Jesus' case, it was best that he not go back for two reasons. Number one, it tells us very clearly in verse 38 that he said, let us go into the next towns. Notice what he says, that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. It tells us his purpose, his will, or the Father's will for him. And nothing wrong with healing people, but Jesus' main purpose, and he says it here himself, was to preach the word. That's why he came. I know I've, I've kind of harped on that a lot, but sometimes we, we, we focus on the works and we let the works substitute the word. We even do that in church sometimes. And thus there's churches where it's all about the works and the miracles and all these things and they give the word like this much priority. But works cannot substitute the word. I think that the people of Capernaum fell in love with the works and not the word. And thus it's time to go. It's, it's time to go. They're lining up for more healing, but they've already received word, but they're lining up for more healing. And he says, hey, it's time to go for the time being. I'll be back. And he will be back. That's the first reason that I think it was works over word. But the second is that God had somebody else waiting for him. God was not done with Jesus. And though there's people in need in Capernaum, there was somebody else waiting for him. Jesus will miss what's about to take place in our last section if he heads back to Capernaum. Look at what he says in verse 39. It says that Jesus is going to, he cast out many demons, as it says here, but he will also have an appointment with one poor leper. And sometimes we wonder, is it worth it? Like, is it worth leaving the line of people for that one leper? It seems like this is one of those times where you could say, yeah, it seems like that's what God wanted. And it's worth it if that's what the Lord wants. Again, sometimes being led by the Lord does not make sense. If it was a business, if you're a businessman, I spent a lot of times and a lot of years in the business world. And, and if this was a business, I would say go back to Capernaum because it's going to yield the best return on your investment, right? Like that's where all the people are at. That's where you need to go back, but that's not how God works. God will often leave us or have us leave what is seemingly successful to go somewhere else. The question is, will you obey? Will you obey? Leave what's successful to go do something else. Jesus obeys in this case, and he leaves Capernaum, but has one more thing to do. So he sought the Father. He sees the opportunities. He's sensitive to the Father's leading. And then look at this last division. It's the last, what is it, four, five, five verses. It says, now a leper, verse 40, came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and asking to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look at that first phrase. Now a leper came to him. Now you have to know, and man, I wish we had more time to talk about this, but this coming to Jesus was a very risky thing to do. Lepers lived in a community outside of the city. They were not allowed to come into the city wall. 
Lepers had to maintain a radius of 150 feet between them and the people that were clean. They would often have to yell out unclean and clean as they came close to somebody. Their family, if they had family that would still claim them, would bring them food and clothes and they'd leave it in a kind of a a place that they would drop it off there and then they would leave and then the leper would come and pick it up from there. Like there couldn't be any contact. It was a lonely life. It was a humbling life. And in some ways it wasn't life at all. But that was the life of the leper. As I understand it, leprosy would often begin in the extremities of the body, in the fingers and the toes, and it would numb those places that kind of had the least amount of, of, of nerve endings. And so they, it would numb those things. You wouldn't be able to feel them after a while. Your fingers, your toes, your, the tip of your nose perhaps would go numb. Thanks for joining Pastor Hector Velarde today on New Spring Radio. Pastor Hector has been working his way through the book of Mark. Within this gospel book, you'll learn more and more about how Jesus came to be a servant to all. While many people are looking to be served, that wasn't Jesus' goal in coming to earth. He came to serve in his life and especially in his death. Jesus came as a servant to mankind, willing to lay down his life for the sake of humanity. It's an example that should be highly praised and something everyone should want to follow by his example. Serving is greater than being served. What are some of your thoughts from what you've heard today? We'd like to hear from you. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at office at calvarynewspring.com. That's office at calvarynewspring.com. Perhaps you're more of a phone person. You can call us too. Our number is 210-530-9673. One more time, that's 210-530-9673. If you're simply interested in hearing this message again, or others like it, head over to calvarynewspring.com. Just look under the Messages tab. We love to serve the community around us. And if you're in the area, it would be such a blessing for you to join us this weekend. All the information you need, including service times and directions, are on our website, calvarynewspring.com. Thanks for listening to New Spring Radio.